It's the Post Traumatic Faith Podcast with your host, Jill Riley. On this podcast, Jill explores what faith can look like after trauma. Hi, I'm Jill Riley. I am an author and a minister. I am also a trauma survivor and live with complex PTSD, depression, anxiety, and a dissociative disorder. My prayer is that post-traumatic faith will bring you hope and joy in your own journey. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about the very serious topic of suicide. If this is a trigger for you, this is your chance to tune out and catch up with us on our next episode. I just wanted to share with you a couple of facts about suicidality. Um, From 1999 to 2018, suicide percentages went up by 25% according to the National Institute of Mental Health. And in 2018, the last statistics I could find, 1.4 million people made attempts of suicide in this nation, which resulted in 48,000 deaths. It's the 10th leading cause of death in the U.S., And here's something I found interesting, is that there were twice as many deaths by suicide as there were by homicide in 2018. Now let's get into talking with our guest about suicide, faith, and family. So I'm here with Jason Sanderson, who has been a friend of our family for, I don't know, Jason, how many years? I don't know. Well, back to Billings. Yeah, it's been a long, it's been a long time. Something like that. So, yeah. yeah, So Jason and I have walked some journeys together and (laughs) (laughs) yeah, we've had some adventures together and um, I just wanted him to be able to share a little bit about his story and and share with us just a little bit about where he's at in life and we can learn a lot from him. So welcome, Jason. Thank you. Glad to be here. So tell me a little bit about you and your family. And uh, we've been chit-chatting about your family a little bit. So share with the rest of us kind of what your family's like and what what your days look like. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Well, I have... uh, but how many kids do I have now? Holy cow. Five. Uh, five, five kids. <laughs> um, two of my boys, uh, Damon's 23 now. Derek's 21, I think. Uh, both boys are up to sick. Um, Damon has uh, full-blown epilepsy. Um, so, And his conditions are more physical. So he's wheelchair-bound. Um, uh, a lot of times he can't feed himself. Uh and Derek is more uh, behavior bound, uh, so he has more meltdowns and uh, things like that. And then I have uh, Danny, which is an 18-year-old, so she's the senior finishing up uh, high school and uh, looking at getting ready to start college. Uh, so she's very busy. She's in and out with cheerleading and all her activities. And then we have uh, Blake and Beckett which are our four-year-old twins. Uh, so uh, it's extremely busy around our house. And uh, especially with them being four, they're, they're learning how to share and uh, stuff like that. So there's quite a bit of arguments, uh, but they're super girls. I'm glad that they're, they're really good twins. 
if I had two boys, I don't know if I could make it. <laughs> <laughs> they, they are adorable, but they couldn't look more different from each other. If I didn't know they were twins, then I wouldn't, I, I couldn't be able to tell for sure looking at them. Yeah, a lot of people don't know now. They'll be like, are they twins? We're like, yeah. Yeah. So, so and your wife? And my wife uh, is Jill, and um, she um, she's got a small business where uh, she's making uh, t-shirts and cups and logos uh, and all that, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and so she stays kind of busy with that. Um, and then, of course, uh, you know, helping with the kids, and uh, she's very good very good helper we're a really good team so if one's tired the other takes over uh so yeah so we're we're a very busy family that's great and just to give a shout out if anybody is looking for anybody local looking for <laughs> printing or anything it's simply sanderson and you can find her on facebook and she does great work and she's very creative your wife amazes me oh she's incredible she you know and it is and she's always been creative, but and it's funny how she's grown through it, you know, and her confidence level. Uh, you know, she started out real simple with just some vinyl. And I mean, now she's sublimating and all kinds of different uh, ways, technical ways to do T-shirts and cups and That's stuff great. like that. So That's it's been great. really cool to watch her grow. Yeah. So today we are talking about, to, just to make a rough transition there, we are talking about suicide. And I wanted you to be able to share with us a little bit about your story and your journey through suicide. So first of all, um, how many attempts have you made on your life? Do you know? Uh, let's see. One, two... I believe four or five. Four or five. Okay. Yeah. And tell me what kind of led and spiralized to those events. What what led you to that point? Um. Well, I remember. Uh, I know as little as a kid, you know, three or four. Um, I was pretty depressed. Um, you know, I. Uh, there was times I didn't want to, you know, do activities with kids. Like if we went on a uh, outing, I would just stay on the bus. Um, so it started as early as that. And some of that uh, is uh, some PTSD. I had some uh, rough things growing up. And uh, of course, you know, as I grew up, I still, I just learned that probably two years ago or a year ago. Yeah. Uh, but I know at the age of 16, 17, um, was my real first thought of suicide. Um, and it was, it's so vivid. I can remember where I was, who I was with, uh, and stuff like that. So were you just depressed or were there circumstances that were going on that were causing you extra stress? Um, I think I, I wasn't, um, I wasn't alone or anything. I mean, I had a lot of friends um, and stuff, but, you know, uh, I had some, I had a bad experience with my father, you know, I know he did the best he could, 
but uh, you know, we had, I've worked with him for since like I was, I think he said he had me on a roof when I was two years old and uh, I worked with him till I was about 18. And then I started my own business. Uh, but there was some mental, uh, physical, a little bit of physical abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, so which, uh, and I, that's where my PTSD came through, uh, through the years of just having to go through that every year and seeing, uh, you know, the things that he would do or say to my family, uh, there were some pretty, uh, pretty crazy fights, uh, that yeah. happened with my mom and my sister and stuff. Um, so I think that's, that so those were stressors. Good, yes. Yes. And, um, and also I was a dyslexic, uh, slow learner. So I was, uh, uh, very unconfident at school, you know, middle, mm-hmm. uh, middle school and our elementary middle school. Uh, and I actually didn't go to high school. My parents took me out of school and I homeschooled from there. Um, so that was very, you know, that was very hard. Um, yeah. I, I don't think I got made fun of a lot, not to what I can remember, but it, it was more internal, you know, it made me feel stupid and dumb and, you know, Yeah. so, and it so, took me years to overcome that. So did you make an attempt on your life when you were 16 or do you just remember that as thinking <laughs> about it? Uh, I did not at 16, uh, but that was my first real thoughts. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, of this life is just too much for me. Yeah. You know, so, and I think that's, you know, what I've learned uh, with bipolar two is that's around, you know, 14, 15, 16 uh, is around where you start feeling, feeling that uh, emotion and depression really kick in. Describe so, describe that to me a little bit. Uh, I'm not familiar with bipolar two and its effects on a person. How does that affect you in your day to day life? Uh, well, bipolar two is mainly uh, is mainly uh, really hardcore depression. Uh, there's not a lot of manic. And matter of fact, I don't have any manic episodes. Uh, that's geared more towards bipolar one. Uh, so that just, uh, you just feel the world on top of you, you know, just everything. And you just feel so hopeless. And it's just a really black, dark hole. Um, And sometimes you spiral so deep, you just, you just can't get out of it. You know, okay. And it makes you not want to live. So, so you would say that the bipolar two definitely has contributed to your suicidality. Absolutely. You know, and I think, I think the PTSD as well, you know, Mm -hmm. I think the combo of them, uh, because after, you know, going through counseling therapy, uh, made me realize of things that, you know, way back and present, uh, that I was struggling with that. So I think it was the combo. And then, of course, I'm recovering alcoholic and uh, alcohol and bipolar to two and probably PTSD are not friends. No, no, so, not at all. That's a hard combo. Are you medicated for bipolar two? Yes, I'm, I'm medicated for bipolar two. Um, okay. So, yeah. 
Well, I want to fast forward a little bit um, to the to where we intersect, and uh, you were a part of part of our church and valued part of our church family, and we loved having your family there. Um, but there was there was a moment that um, that led you before you had before you had the family and um, you were single and living in a little apartment above a garage and <laughs> and a little tiny apartment above a garage and um, and you really spiraled out of control mm-hmm. and your depression was causing you not to want to work or do anything and so we watched you kind of spiral into um, into really being non-functioning what do you read? Yeah. What do you remember about that time? Well, I remember, um, well, I, I had gone through a divorce through that. Um, and my marriage was very toxic, even from the beginning. Uh, so it was always a struggle. And uh, a lot of my depression came through that. And then uh, when we divorced, we both of us were so codependent that I just, I didn't know how to function. I didn't know how to be a person. Um, and so my depression even started going uh, deeper. And then I started drinking a lot. I mean, a lot. I was, I'm a, I was a, a high functioning alcoholic. What do you but, mean um, when you say you were drinking a lot? Uh, after my divorce, uh, even through my marriage, I mean, I would drink, uh, usually uh a shot or two of vodka and then you know eight beers on top of that sometimes it was 16 beers um but when we got divorced i started drinking uh about a uh, half a gallon of uh, vodka night with beer on top of that okay so um so everything just started getting really complicated and really dark yeah. Um, uh, so it was just, and I, I was, like I said, like you said, I was in a very small apartment, uh, and I was so cloudy back then. <laughs> there was just so many decisions that I made that just, man, if I could change them, I would, but I was planning on go back to school, uh, back to college and I just didn't have the motivation. And then you know, I think that apartment was three or 400 square feet. So it was very tiny, uh, you know, and I just, I think, and it was dark. And so I think, you know, after work, I would just, you know, down a bunch of alcohol and either pass out or just kind of cave inside there, mm-hmm. you know, not yeah. get a lot of sunlight. There were several times, you know, I didn't go to church. I didn't want to go to church. I, I didn't want to see anybody you know? Yeah. And, uh, and let's, that ended up with uh, suicide. Let's, you know, let's kind of. talk about um, church for just a minute. You have a faith background. What, um, what were you feeling about your faith at that point in life? How did it speak to you or did it just, did it just feel silent? I, I, I feel that my faith was pretty good. You know, um, uh, it, it was rocky, you know, um, and I, I think what I struggled with the most uh, with God, and I think it was what, you know, 
kept me a little mad or, or, you know, just not wanting to talk and stuff, um, or even be a better person is I just, I could never understand why he made me ever, you know? Mm. Um, and I always struggled with that and I, it would make me angry and bitter and, uh, you know, I mean, me and him still talked, but it was, it, it, it just wasn't very meaningful, I think. Yeah. Okay. Know? Okay. So you reached this point of, of suicide and do you remember what the final trigger was? Oh boy. Um, I, I think the final trigger was, I just, I had a bad, uh, day at work. Uh, but you know, it, I, I believe it was, you know, uh, cued by just all the depression I was in and, and, uh, I was painting at the time and that was a big trigger for me. Uh, cause that's where, uh, I got a lot of abuse from my father and stuff. So anything in the construction industry, uh, was just a huge, uh, down spiral for me. I hated it. You know, I did it for 20 years and I absolutely hated it every day. And so I just, I was so depressed from, you know, uh, my divorce and just had a bad day at work. And on that day, I just decided to do it. And know? so what did you do? Uh, I asked uh, if I could leave early from work. And, and already when I asked for, to get off early, I already knew my plan. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, of course, you know, I was told, yes, it's okay. Uh, and I went to the liquor store and, uh, bought, I think a fifth of vodka or something like that. And, uh, and I went home and, uh, and I downed that, <laughs> I downed that vodka and, uh, probably 15 seconds. And then, uh, and then I just saw all my pills and I just took all my pills um, and at that point I was on more medication at that point. Um, so I had quite a bit, uh, I even took, I mean, I really wanted to do it. I even took melatonin, <laughs> yeah, know, not, make, make sure I was asleep, not to make light of it. But when we, when we entered your apartment and I saw that, I thought, really, Jason, you're even taking the natural medicines. You were really serious. Like you take your vitamin C and take your melatonin and take all of your pills. <laughs> Oh yeah. Yep. That, that was, that was kind of humorous in the middle of a really tragic situation. Yep. And I remember afterwards, I, I told myself, I was like, I was amazed uh, actually. Cause I was like, I can't believe I did this. I finally did it. You so know, you and had that conscious thought. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. Uh, and I laid, I uh, laid on the couch and with my dog and, uh, I had the AC up, uh, quite a bit cause I, the apartment would get hot above the garage. And, uh, I just remember falling asleep. And the next thing, uh, I remember seeing my friend's face as I was, uh, in, in and out of consciousness, uh, in the hospital and stuff and, and, and you, uh, of course. And, uh, and that's, I woke up in the hospital and 
you know, and they added, they did pumping up my stomach and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, you know, what I remember of that time was of course, uh, a friend of ours and I came to your apartment and found you and, and, uh, I thought, I thought you were gone and I didn't think given, I mean, the evidence of what you had done was all around us and I just didn't see any way that you could survive. And, and that was the challenge to, to my faith. Um, just wondering, you know, why God, here's this incredible man who's been a, you know, a loving part of, of our family. And, and I just didn't understand how that could happen. Um, and then sitting with you for hours in the hospital and just praying that, that you would come that you would come around, but also come around with your full faculty because, because of having taken so much, um, you know, there was no guarantee there. And so that's, that's what I remember. And, uh, that was, that was hard on, that was hard on everybody. Yeah. So, yeah. And you know, when you're that deep and it's sad, uh, because uh, it really affects your outside you know, friends and family. Uh, and when you're that deeply pressed, you just can't, you just can't see it. Right. And do you, do you care about your friends and family at that point? Absolutely. You know, um, but it's like, they're, it's like, they're oblivious. I mean, it's like you do, but you're so, you're so far down, so dark you just, all you see is this is the only way, you know, I know on one of my other suicide attempts, I actually wrote notes to my mom and my family. Um, but that, I think that was the only time that I did that. Well, they say that there are lies in the bottom of, of suicidality and it's the lies that say this will never change and I will always feel this way. And those are the lies that are really operational in the brain and lead to the hopelessness of just feeling like everything's going to be the same for the rest of my life. Yeah. And I think that's it. I mean, you don't think it's going to change. I mean, you've been trying to change for years and years and years, you know, and I was trying to change my, my uh, surroundings for years and years and years. And you, you don't, you, you know, the, you do feel the lies and you believe the lies Yeah, uh, that this is the only way. When I was struggling with suicidality, one of the things that I felt like was that people would be better off without me. It was almost like it was a a mercy killing because (laughs) because people would not have to deal with me as a burden. Did you have any of that kind of feeling? Absolutely. 100%. Yep. You know, relieve them of the burden of my craziness, you know, and I know when, you know, the the whole time when I was uh, trying all those attempts, I mean, they were, they weren't back to back, but they were close together, you know, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes six months, sometimes a year. Um, but also, you know, I was, I did start my meds, but I, it was so unbalanced. Um, and you, you know, you feel that hopelessness. Like, you know, I'm doing as hard as I can. I'm taking my meds and doing this. 
and I know people are still, you know, they're, they're frustrated with me, you know, uh, they probably, some people don't love me. Uh, and, uh, right. that's just absolutely not true. Right. So after, after that, uh, let's come back to the topic of faith. Did it change the way having survived that attempt? Did it change the way you looked at faith or looked at God or was there still some distance between you and you and that? Uh, on that one, uh, I was actually mad, uh, to be honest. I was very angry at God uh, that I didn't die. Yeah. Uh, and that weighed heavy on me for, for a long time. You know, And I went back to, I don't understand why didn't you let me go because I don't even know why I'm here on earth. I don't know why you created me. So wouldn't I better be better off in heaven? you know, mm-hmm. and I have to deal with this day after day. So yeah. I was quite mad, bitter. How long do you think that lasted? Oh boy. Uh, I think several years. Yeah. Several years, you know, and, and a lot of the times, I mean, you're, you know, when I don't know how we do it, uh, but the people I've talked to, including myself, you know, you're able to fool people, you know, you Absolutely. go and you put, you put your happy face on and every, everybody thinks you're fine, you know, and then you go home or your car or whatever, and you, you fall apart, you Absolutely. know, so I was bitter quite, quite some time. So what gives you, I mean, it's been, you haven't made an attempt since then on your life, Right. Uh, no, uh, that was my first attempt. And then I made several attempts after that. Okay. Uh, yeah. And my last attempt was, uh, was, uh, like, uh, four and a half years ago. Okay. So right when the girls were born. Were you attempting to kill yourself at that point? At that point, I, I don't believe I was, uh, I think I was just so overwhelmed with, you know, family and money and how we're going to do this. And, uh, you know, we had some, uh, family, uh, drama that added to that. And, um, you know, once again, I had been drinking for, you know, uh, probably a year. So, and you know, I'm, I'm drunk every day. I'm high functioning. Um, but, I think that I just got so overwhelmed with the pressure of everything and trying to figure everything out. And I think there was still that resentment a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. why, why am I here? Why, you know, why am I having kids? You know, I, I, I can't do this, you know, I'm just going to ruin everything. And, uh, and so I just, I went out, got more alcohol and, I, I was so drunk. I just took everything again, took all my pills. And that's the one that almost killed me. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. That was, and that was a really tough time with the birth of the girls and, 
and the overwhelm because you went you went from the life of a single man to all of a sudden being <laughs> being married to your wife who had um three children two of whom were severely handicapped and uh and then all of a sudden there's a pregnancy and twins so the overwhelm must have been uh just crippling to you absolutely you know um and i do know when i got married uh you know i don't mean to backtrack but i know when i did get married um with uh jill and the and the kids uh that did fulfill a lot of my emptiness um you know that was kind of i think the one one big thing that i needed is that kind of give me the responsibility of okay I'm, you know, I'm here to be a father and a good husband and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, then, you know, the boys steadily decline every year. Um, you know, Derek was getting more violent, um, a lot more violent. Um, you know, he was hitting and kicking and biting and, and getting bigger. <laughs> oh, he got huge. You know, he got, I don't know, he's six, six, two, six, three. And, at that point, he was uh, a little over 200 pounds. So if he hit you or whatever, he, I mean, you'd feel it. Uh, you know, and then I've got these two little twin girls that are coming and, you know, just the pressure of trying to keep them safe. And, yeah, you know. it was too much. <laughs> yes, it was just too much. So what gives you what gives you hope now or gives you an anchor to not attempt suicide again, even though I know you go through seasons of dark depression still, and I know the bipolar still affects you and the PTSD still affects you deeply. What gives you hope or an anchor right now that keeps you from spiraling that deep? Uh, you know, um, my family does uh, a lot. Um, God definitely does, you know, uh, he finally fulfilled that or helped me understand, you know, why I'm here. And, you know, I know a lot of people, I, I know I did, you know, we see people out there and watch these movies of these incredible life stories, you know, and that's what I saw, you know, why can't I be, you know, something great. Right. And, uh, but, you know, I found that with my family, you know, I found, hey, this, you know, I think this is my mission, you know, to be a good father and a good husband and, uh, you know, leave my family in faith. And um, so that's helped me tremendously. You know, God's just, you know, my my relationship with God was restored, you know, um, I do a lot of, and I, I know people have different relationships with God and, you know, do, do different ways of communicating, but man, I just talk to him like he's here, you know, like he's my buddy. I got a Jeep that I go work on and, uh, and we just talk, we laugh, I yell, you know, I think he laughs, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and I mean, I do silly things cause I'm still learning how to work on, on a vehicle. And I mean, we just, I, we just laugh together, you know? So, uh, that's really been a lot stronger. Um, and I think the, one of the, another big key is since that last attempt to suicide, uh, 
you know, since I almost died, um, he took away and I've heard people talk about it and I never understood it. And I always thought they were lying. Uh, but he took away the, the, the temptation, the will to drink. Wow. You know? Um, ever since that moment, I've been sober, you know, so how I'll long be five, I'll be sober, uh, five years, uh, September 25th. That's amazing. Yeah. That yeah. is so cool. And I haven't as pressured as, and crazy as this family gets and, you know, we're low income. So money's a huge stressor and just everything that goes on. I have not had one inkling one, you know, I just need one beer or one drink. You know, I haven't had any of that, um, which is incredible, you know, and that, unfortunately I know a lot of people don't are not able to get that. And, you know, I've, I've, that wounds my heart, you know, that makes me sad because uh, you're just caught in such a tunnel. So, I mean, that's been, that's been incredible, you know, just that even if I smell alcohol now, I get, I almost throw up, you know, so that's it's pretty incredible. That's amazing. Well, I, uh, I'm so grateful for your life and um, grateful for your family and just, um, when God brought Jill and the family into your life, it really did seem to fulfill a, just a deep void. And I'm so, so grateful to God for that. So, yeah. well, thank you for sharing your story and sharing your pain. I know it's, uh, it's a little vulnerable, a lot vulnerable, but I think <laughs> your story is important because uh, you have come through, come through the fire as it were and come through the other side. And, and so I'm grateful for that. Is there, can I say one little last thing? Yeah. We got time. Okay. I just want to encourage anybody uh, that's listening um, to reach out and get help. Uh, you know, if you can get into counseling, that's amazing. Uh, if you can get into for a doctor's appointment, that's amazing. I know uh, statistically a lot of uh, alcoholics uh, have uh, bipolar or PTSD. Um, and if you're not able to get into counseling or, uh, you know, a doctor, just, uh, you know, please just reach out to your friend. Um, and that's the other thing that helped me get through, uh, all my drinking and stuff is, um, I got a huge support base here. And I think without that, I, I don't know if I would have made it, you know? Um, so I just encourage, and, and I, I get that it's hard. You're so, it's so dark and deep. Um, but I, I, I just ask you to reach out and get help and try not to get frustrated at your friends when they're encouraging you to get out and, <laughs> you know, uh, cause you get frustrated. You actually get mad, <laughs> you know, why don't they just leave me alone? Uh, but it's those kind of, those kind of friendships that help, pull you through that, that dark tunnel. So that's amazing. Well, thanks for sharing. Well, thank you, Jason and uh, love you and your family and just appreciate your time and story. Thank you so much, Joe. We love you too. 
Thanks for listening to Post Traumatic Faith today. If you or someone you know is struggling with thoughts of suicide, the National Suicide Hotline is 1-800-273-8255. As a closing note, just a thought lets you and I work together to break down stigmas around mental illness and faith communities. Also, I don't want you to miss any of the upcoming podcasts, so be sure and subscribe and leave comments. I love to hear from you. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to the Post Traumatic Faith Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts today. You can follow Jill on social media on Facebook and Instagram, JillRiley.author, and Twitter, JillRileyAuthor. To contact Jill, email jill at jillreilly.org.